You are listening to the Impact Lenders Podcast, the podcast for people and institutions using lending for good. Welcome to the show. Hello, listeners. This is Peter Schaefing, the host of the Impact Lenders Podcast. In today's show, we're talking small business lending with Mark Barbash, who's been in the community development field for over 30 years. The small business lending landscape is competitive, and it's changing fast. A combination of changing regulations and risk appetites at traditional banks, the massive growth of online lenders, and the dwindling of community banks is pushing and pulling small businesses seeking financing in a lot of different directions. As impact lenders, our mandate is to figure out who is slipping through the cracks as these changes happen, who's being exploited, and how we can help them, while keeping up with what impact lenders do best, which is making good loans and supporting borrowers with technical assistance. I'm really excited to add Mark's voice to this discussion in the impact lending industry. I know I felt like he had some very sharp and well-supported observations about the industry to share, and it really got me thinking about how impact lenders can take action to serve their communities best. So I hope you get a lot out of this, and let's get to the interview. Mark Barbash is joining me on the show today, and Mark's an individual with longtime experience in economic development and the community development finance uh, institution industry. So, Mark, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks very much for the opportunity to talk today, Peter. I've been in economic development for 30 plus years at the federal, state, local level. Uh, I've spent a good amount of time concentrating on small business financing. Uh, okay. I, I ran an SBA 504 certified development company, did a lot of work in, uh, in uh, enterprise development and micro lending. Uh, and most recently in this area, I uh, was involved in the development of a healthy food, uh, local food, a healthy foods fund to finance grocery stores in underserved areas. Got it. Okay, very good. And what was your introduction to the field? Why did you start out in, in economic development? Oh, I started out in economic development because I always liked being able to see the results of of my work in the in in the context of seeing number of new people employed, new businesses starting, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually first got into economic development while I was working for a, a congressman from Wisconsin, and there was okay. a real premium on getting the job done and seeing the new business start. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's great. Yeah, coming in from the impact side, it's nice to see your work, you know, come to fruition. So. Uh, we're on the show today to talk about the role that small business lenders are playing in the industry today and, and where that role might go in the future. Uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your thoughts on how that role is changing? Well, one of the things that I've been tracking uh, for a whole variety of reasons has been the impact of the recession on small business and small business lending. And that is that while the economy as a whole and banking as a whole has recovered, Mm -hmm. critical pieces of banking uh, in the small business area have not recovered. Uh, For example, community banks uh, used to be uh, the primary, have continued to be the primary lender for small businesses. And yet there are half as many community banks now as there were prior to the recession. They've either closed or merged uh, or gotten acquired. Uh, In addition, the other thing that we've seen is that while business lending per se has started to recover, bank lending for small businesses has really not recovered. Business lending, in fact, has increased substantially. Uh, Small business lending has not increased at all. uh, And in fact, hasn't even come back 
uh, from the 2007 levels. So to me, one of these things that one, what, what this says is that the atmosphere for small business financing has really changed because of banking regulation and the economy, which means we need to take a different look at how uh, nonprofit organizations, CDFIs, and other impact lenders uh, support small business and enterprise development. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we think about the role of CDFIs and other impact lenders in the small business space, a lot of times we're focusing on groups that do micro lending or groups that do larger loans, but primarily to smaller businesses and startup businesses, right? Right. That's correct. So, so at this point, you're suggesting that because community banks are not as uh, prevalent around the country and because small business lending hasn't rebounded in all sectors the way it should have, CDFIs need to step into this role where they're financing businesses over a longer term and serving them in different ways. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, historically, small business financing programs always had a basic principle, which was to get the small business closer to conventional lending, closer to borrowing from banks. Because one of the biggest challenges, obviously, with nonprofit and impact lenders is they don't have all the resources in the world. And yet now, as a result of the recession, we're finding that those channels to get back into the conventional banking world uh, have decreased. Uh, banks are not less interested in small business lending. Uh, small business loans are not profitable. Uh, they've increased the credit standards, not decreased the credit standards, uh, and are claiming that regulation is a, is a big obstacle to making smaller loans. So part of my concern has been where will growing small businesses get their financing if, in fact, the conventional market is not going the direction that the small business is going? This offers an opportunity for the impact lenders and CDFIs and CDFI banks to play a larger role in the lifeline of a business. Yeah, yeah. And it is really an opportunity because uh, part of the problem of smaller business CDFIs is that they they face a, a proposition where they're providing small loans that don't generate a lot of income, don't generate a lot of fees. And then if you're successful, the client moves on to a bank. So here, there's an opportunity perhaps to capture a little more business from the same clients. Uh, but how do you ready yourself for that? And what kind of changes do you think the typical CDFI small business lender needs to make? Well, there, I mean, there are a couple of obstacles. Uh, the first one is is scale. Uh, it's difficult for a small business CDFI lender to have enough resources to grow to scale okay. uh, in terms of both dollar volume and in terms of uh, being able to provide assistance. So one of the things I think that is going on, and we see OFN working on this in a significant way, of trying to get small business lenders to collaborate with each other uh, mm-hmm. and to find ways to increase the, uh, increase, uh, the opportunity to serve. The second issue is that one of the reasons why many small businesses go to a nonprofit lender is the services that the nonprofit lender provides in technical assistance and credit credit analysis on the skill of the small business. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a that that continues to be a challenge, but I think history has shown that without that technical assistance and without and without that that training for small businesses their ability to grow is uh, is significantly hampered. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and one of the things that some small business lenders would have to do to serve businesses over a longer, you know, longer points in their life cycle would be to add products, right? To 
get beyond just kind of a startup working capital type of loan and be able to offer larger equipment loans or, uh, you know, different uh, lines of credit. Is that something you think a lender can kind of can grow to on their own? Or is it the collaboration that's really the key to get that expertise? Or do you think it is it not that different of a risk profile? What's, what's your thoughts on that? Well, there, you, you ask a couple of good questions. The first one is let's just talk about risk profile. If you look at the track record, for example, of CDFIs uh, in terms of losses as a result of uh, enterprise, small enterprise and business loans going bad, they're not, it's really not that big. It's in the 3 to 4% uh, range. And what that says is, is that the issue is not the, the risk of it's the ability of the lender to provide assistance and be responsive when the business is facing challenges. Mm-hmm. And we really learned this in the, in the context of the, uh, of the recession. When we saw many small business portfolios having real difficulty, those that were in the business of providing technical assistance saw lower losses. The second question that you raise is one of product. And I think you really hit on something that's important here. To, historically, if you look back at small business lending, they were isolated to one product or another. Uh, maybe they provided uh, micro enterprise. Maybe they provided working capital. Maybe they provided uh, startup financing. Uh, others were more focused on on the small business middle market, such as the SBA 504 program, uh, the SBA 7A program. The, the 504 CDCs, for example, were entirely focused on existing, healthy, growing business financing for real estate. Uh, and if the industry is going to grow and provide a greater breadth of lending opportunities because the private market is not there, it affords that collaboration opportunity so that a small business has some place to go when they have the need for financing. So it is growing product. It's also growing breadth of product. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you think that a, a business lender that's growing their line of products the same staff who have that TA experience and that relationship management experience will probably be able to adapt to that different type of product. It's not a, a wholly different underwrite. You know, it's still a relationship business. It's not, it's not a wholly different underwrite, but it is a different underwrite. It's different between looking at a 20-year fixed-rate real estate loan and looking at a, uh, at a two-year working capital loan where you have to pay attention to, to how the business is doing today. Uh, and so to make this change, and that's, again, one of the things that a lot of associations have focused in on, requires additional training, requires some additional templates to help people do analysis. Mm-hmm. One of the other challenges that, that we face here, if you go back and look at the online lenders, what the online lenders are doing, and they're doing a, a major piece of small business lending right now, yep. uh, but it's still not 1% of total small business lending. But what online lenders have done is they have, they have honed the process of underwriting to basically a credit score analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the advantages of CDFIs has been that while they're using credit scoring tools, they can step back and look at the story behind the business and understand the business. So what this offers an opportunity is for collaboration among multiple CDFIs in different communities to be able to offer a broader breadth of products to their growing small businesses. So it will be a little bit of a culture change, but in the end, the challenge is impact lending being left behind 
for folks who go either to family and friends, and nobody yeah. ever really wants yeah. to borrow from family and friends, and the online lenders. And if that happens, you have a whole group of small businesses who are left out of the uh, the economy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you hit on online lenders, which is such a, a topic today. And I think small business CDFIs tend to look at them the way that consumer lenders look at payday lenders, which is that they're you know charging exorbitant interest rates and it's not always in the best interest of the business. Do you think that's the case or do you think they're kind of filling a necessary gap right now? I th- I think it depends on what you're looking for. So I think it really is important to distinguish the personal online lenders who, uh, and I don't, I'm careful about using the word about using the word payday because to some extent that there's a negative connotation to the word payday, mm-hmm. but there is a difference between someone who's lending to a, an individual to cover cash flow needs and someone who is lending to small businesses for the same purposes. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of things that are, too, that are true, and that is that the interest rate is higher, number one, than conventional financing, uh, and the interest rate does actually tend to be higher than uh, CDFIs, and here becomes a real challenge. What's the mission of the CDFI? Is it, is it just to make loans at whatever cost, or is it to make loans at a cost-efficient cost-effective rate, both for the CDFI and Mm. for the small business. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So first we talk about CDFIs competing with banks and the fact that some banks have really pulled out of the market and leave the vacuum for CDFIs to fill. In the case of online lenders, they have stepped into some of that market. So for CDFIs to compete with them, you know, rate certainly is a way to compete. Speed, as you mentioned, is another way to compete. How else do CDFIs sell themselves? Because they're not going to be able to compete fully on speed and still be you know, what the industry considers prudent. No, I think that's exactly right. I think that's exactly right. CDFIs distinguish themselves in a number of ways. The first and most important to me is value added to the small business. And that is most CDFIs provide some level of technical assistance mm-hmm. and some level of uh, friendly oversight of the financials of the business to kind of get ahead of the curve if the business is having challenges. The second one and the obvious one is is filling a credit gap. There have always been businesses who cannot qualify for bank financing, but don't necessarily have that level of risk that makes them Mm non-lendable. And so I think that figuring out how you collaborate and grow the product line and still provide some level of local services. I frankly think that the bank and banking industry would welcome this. If you look at yeah. what's being done, for example, by JPMC in, uh, up in Detroit, you look at the investment that Kresge is making and uh, a couple of the other foundations have been making in impact investing, then I think you see that they understand they can't serve this market and yet they also understand that they are being watched very closely. Another aspect of this, obviously, uh, that is kind of outside of uh, this discussion is whether the Community Reinvestment Act continues to be a measure that the federal government uses to judge performance of banks. And that's another topic entirely. Yeah, and we discussed that topic on our previous episode, actually. So if anyone wants to get up to speed on Community Reinvestment Act reform, that's the place to go. Um, But you mentioned an interesting point, Mark, which is that this, even though we're talking about CDFIs filling a niche in place of banks, it's not that they're competing with banks. So really, there should be a way for CDFIs to position this in a way that's attractive to their traditional bank investors, you know, to get the capital they need. 
Right. I think that's exactly right. I think that's exactly right. CDFIs have not have not positioned themselves as competing competing with banks. Mm-hmm. They've always positioned themselves as a pipeline to a bank or filling a gap in financing. Uh, and I think if anyone, the lenders understand, they understand the challenges that they've been facing in providing small business financing. Mm-hmm. What that means is I think it's possible to grow the capital base of CDFIs working in this market and to grow the capacity base so that they, they in fact, can be serving a wider range of small businesses at different points in their lives. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you make a very a, a good point. I like your thesis here that CDFIs need to become this life cycle lender to businesses to fill in the gap left by banks. So as we wrap up here, what do you think are the, the first steps that a CDFI uh, who might be listening to this should take if they want to evaluate that, that option of growing into a new type of lending? I think probably the most important one is to look at the internal, their internal capacity mm-hmm. uh, and identify areas where capacity needs to grow to serve a market. There's nothing worse for a CDFI than to promise a product and not being able to deliver it because they don't have the internal capacity. I mean, I've been there and I understand what, that, what happens to uh, your reputation. The second one, I think, in a, if after capacity, is to kind of take a look and see who is lending in the market. And then number three, who are the potential collaborators? Uh, I think that you see a lot of larger CDFIs, for example, getting involved in the bond guarantee program. And I think that's a pretty good example of how CDFIs can collaborate together. Yeah, absolutely. It's got a, it's the strength of the industry. So here's another area where we can leverage that to have some real impact. That's right. I think the other thing, the, the last one I'd say is that it varies state to state as to how CDFIs collaborate together. CDFIs, there, there is a kind of a natural market area, which is a state line. And that is mm-hmm. CDFIs in a state should be talking with each other. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, very good, Mark. Is there anything else you'd like to add on, on this topic? No, this is a great discussion, and I think we'll see what happens. Again, I think, I think the industry understands this. I know that OFN understands this, and the larger CDFIs understand it. The question of what happens to the conventional banking market uh, to help us make this case. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, Mark, thank you so much for your insight today. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Anytime. This podcast is brought to you by High Impact Financial Analysis. We help mission-focused lenders build and maintain high-performing impact portfolios through our underwriting, portfolio analysis, and general consulting services. Find out more at www.highimpactanalysis.com and follow us on Twitter at High Impact FA. The views and opinions expressed on the Impact Lenders podcast are the speaker's own and do not necessarily represent the views of High Impact or other organizations. Until next time, thanks for listening.